today on the third part of this message, respecting God's boundaries. God has boundaries for our protection. God has boundaries because He's a good God. He loves you enough to give you boundaries. And I want to ask you today the question, what are you hooked on? Everybody's hooked on something. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I know you're hooked. You say, well, how do you know everybody's hooked on something? Because we are creatures of habit, and everybody's hooked on something. There's people that are hooked on themselves, people that are hooked on a drug, people that are hooked on Jesus. Now, if you're hooked on Jesus, say amen. Amen. That's a good addiction. But now, let's look at uh, this verse that we've looked at for three weeks. I'm going to close this series out today, 1 Corinthians 6, 12. And look what Paul uh, is telling us. All things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial or best. A lot of things you can get away with, but they're not best. Second, all things are lawful, but not all things build up or edify. There's things you can do and not go to hell for it, but it doesn't edify. And then finally, many things are permissible for me, says Paul, but you know what? I'm not going to be mastered by anything. What a great statement. I will not be mastered by anything but Jesus Christ. Now, this ought to be the commitment of every believer Every person who names the name of Christ, you ought to be able to say, I agree with Paul. I'm not going to be hooked on, mastered by, controlled by anything but Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to address today. Father, thank you for your blessing. And thank you that the Word sets us free. And I pray that, Lord, today we will know the truth, and the truth will make us free. Now, would you just breathe a prayer with me and say, Lord, set me free today. On a level I've never been free before. In Jesus' name, amen. Now again, look at your neighbor and say, you're going to get set free today. Get ready, get ready, get ready to quote T.D. Jakes. God wants us free. Now, we've seen in the last couple of weeks that the call of every Christian is to glorify God. And I want you to remember that, that God's call on your life is to glorify Him. Now, I'm called to be a preacher, I'm called to be a pastor, I'm called to be a husband, I'm called to be a dad. But those are not my highest callings. My highest calling is to glorify God. God has made everything to glorify Him. He made creation to glorify His name. Everything is praising Him according to the Psalms. Every created thing is praising God. If you knew what those birds were singing, they, you would find out they're singing, praise God. All of creation, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. So even the stars, the galaxies, the universe, everything God has made, sun, moon, and stars, they are declaring, according to Psalms 19, the glory of God. You have been called to declare the glory of God. That's your calling. Now, Just to reiterate a little bit, to glorify something means this. It means to lift up or to point to or to give the credit to or to magnify, to exalt. When we come in here and we worship God, we sing not just just about Him, but we sing to Him. We are glorifying God. I pray every Saturday night. I get with God in my little prayer closet and I say, Lord, help us tomorrow to glorify God. Because when you glorify God, you've had church. 
But guess what? God wants you glorifying him Monday through Saturday and not just Sunday. 24-7, we're called to glorify and to give God the credit, to give him the praise. And if ever there was a time in our nation, as the shadows of the evening are lengthening and darkness is seeking to creep across this land, and it seems to me in many ways judgment is being experienced by America, God needs a people who are free and who are glorifying Him. It's time to lift up our voice and glorify God. It's time to not any longer be a closet Christian. Come out of the closet and let it be known. I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And I want to give God the glory for what has happened in my life. I'm giving God the glory. The Bible says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Paul prayed for the church and said that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you because of the way you live. Not just the talk, but the walk. That that God would be glorified in the way that we conduct our lives. And now we've seen from uh, in the last couple of weeks that out of 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12, if it's going to be to the glory of God, it'll fall in one of three categories. It'll be best... It'll build others up, and it will not bind us. It'll be best. It'll edify others, and it will not bind us. And now I want to talk about the third one. It will not bind us. Notice in the verse up there, in the last part of it, he says, I will not be mastered by anything. Now, that word mastered is taken from a Greek word that means to be controlled by. Now, I want us to think about what the Bible is telling us here. Paul said, Jesus Christ has set me free. Therefore, I am not going to allow myself to be controlled by anything other than the Lord Jesus himself. I will not be mastered by anything. Now, I want you to say that with me. I will not be mastered by anything. Now, why would Paul be so strong about this? Well, even Jesus talked about the impossibility of you and I having two masters, two gods, two lords, two things that we serve. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and he will despise the other. See, you and I are hardwired to have one master, one God, one Lord, one thing we serve. We will not be and are not to be and cannot be mastered by two things. We're going to have one God and one alone. God has hardwired you and me to worship. We are called to be worshipers. And if you're not worshiping the true and the living God, I promise you, you're worshiping something. You're worshiping yourself. You're worshiping a drug. You're worshiping another person. You're worshiping some false god. Whatever it is, you are a worshiper today. I guarantee you, you are a worshiper. Watch a rock concert sometime and tell me they are not worshiping that band. There is worship in this world. Everybody's worshiping something. The question is, what are you worshiping? What what has mastered you? What is controlling you? What, What has got you hooked? Because something has you. Either God has you or something else has you. Jesus said so. You can't serve two masters, but you're going to serve one. This is a non-negotiable, indisputable law of human nature. 
You cannot have two gods. So who is your God? What is your God? I'll tell you what your God is. Your God is whatever is controlling you, whatever has mastered you. That's your God. Listen to Paul again. You know well enough from your own experience, this is out of the Message Bible, you know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. What's he telling us? Sin is first a choice, then it's a must. Sin is first a choice, then it's a must. You know, nobody wakes up and says, you know, I believe today I'm going to start a habit that's going to kill me someday. I believe today I'm going to start a habit that someday is going to kill me. It's going to kill me with emphysema, lung cancer, or it's going to take away my freedom, send me to prison. It's going to destroy my marriage, destroy my reputation, destroy my finances, destroy me as a person. I believe today that's what I'm going to get up and begin. No, you are lied to about sin. The devil convinces you that you can meddle with it, that you can mess around with it, that you can walk around the edges of the fire and not be burned, that you can just dabble with sin and not be trapped. But I want you to know today that sin is a bear trap. Sin is a trap, always, and it's always hidden at the outset. Its intention for you and its potential to destroy you is never shown up front. The devil is a master at disguising what that sin is going to do to you how it's going to destroy you, how it's going to rob you and steal from you. And so he says, you can do this and not be trapped. And so at first that sin is a choice. But then you wake up one day and you realize, "Uh uh-oh, my choice has become a must. I've got to do what at first I chose to do. Now I've got to do it. Now I've got to live this thing out. Now I have got to do it. And it's got me and I don't have it. I'm not controlling it. It's controlling me. And some of you today are ensnared by a a habit, by a sin, that you had no idea what it was going to do to you when you first opened the door to it. But now you need to be set free. And my message to you today is, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And Jesus Christ came to set you free. He came to set you free. Now, the Bible is very clear that a Christian controlled by anything other than Christ cannot live their life out to the glory of God. See, God gets the glory when we live for Him. When we live for anything else, God can't get the glory. Jesus said this, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, when I say the truth, I don't just mean getting Jesus as Savior and getting a ticket to heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. You shall know the truth, and that phrase, the truth, encompasses not just Him as Savior, But him as your teacher, your philosopher, your guide, your instructor, your daily master. It means when you get saved, it doesn't stop there. Now you take this book, the Bible, the book, the book, the book, the number one bestseller in the history of the world. You get this book. And the truth in this book is what sets you free. And when you obey the Word of God, it sets you free. And when you don't obey it, it does not set you free. See, there's a lot of believers that have their ticket to heaven, but they don't live in obedience to the Word of God. And so today, they are bound and not living to the glory of God. The whole idea of Christianity 
is that it sets us free from things that bind. Now, I want you to understand that. The Lord didn't just come to get you to heaven. He came to set you free. It, it's, it's the old picture. It's the old picture of uh, when Lazarus came out of that grave. Jesus stood over the grave. Lazarus was dead, down in that tomb, as dead as a man ever was dead, four days dead, to the point that he stinketh. His own sister said, don't open that, don't roll that stone away. He stinks. Rigor mortis had set in. He was dead. But Jesus spoke down into that tomb and called a dead man back to life. And he came out of that tomb. Now, that's a picture of when you get saved. Because the Bible says, before you were saved, you were dead in trespasses and sins. Dead. The word dead used there is the same word that they would use to describe a dead body. You were dead, unplugged from God, dead in trespasses and sins. But then Jesus came and he called you out of the spiritual dead. But watch this. Lazarus came out, but he came out all bound up. He was resurrected, but he was all bound up. And what did Jesus say? Well, he's resurrected, but I'm not done yet. Now loose him. Now loose him. Let him go. And, and so they, they unwrapped those grave clothes off of him. So being resurrected was not the end, it was the beginning. The end was being set free so that you're free to move around and walk and run and praise God. Now, listen, when you get saved, he calls you out of the spiritual dead, but he's not done with you. Then he speaks over your life. Loose him, loose her, loose him, loose her, loose him, loose her. And what are the grave clothes? It's those habits. It's those things that you came out of that world of death with. And now God says, now that you're resurrected from the spiritual dead, we're going to spend the rest of your life getting you freer and freer and freer and freer. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Are you free today? Do you are you free today in another place? Listen to what Paul said. He said, I'm simply trying to point out that under your new master, Jesus, you're going to experience a marvelous freedom you would never have dreamed of. Not just in heaven, but right here, right now, in this life, you're going to experience a freedom you've never dreamed of. Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life and is, in fact, a slave. But if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. If the Son of God sets you free, you are genuinely free. The most important freedom of all, freedom on the inside, freedom from things that bind, freedom from things that torment, freedom from things that keep you from being what God has called you to be. You are set free in the truest sense of the word. I came to preach today. I hope you came to listen. I want you to get this now. Can you say with me, he wants me free? Well, that was underwhelming. Let's try that again. He wants me free. See, when you got saved, God immediately declared war on everything binding you in your life. He declared war on it. Now, I want you to listen to this Bible thought. Here you go. A person who has dedicated his or her life to Jesus Christ will scrutinize what comes their way as to whether or not it has the power to bind them. 
A believer in Jesus Christ will be scrutinizing, discerning, selective in what they allow into their life, whether or not it has the power to bind them. Even a dog will sniff something before he eats it. My dog this week, I was getting some lunch meat out of the refrigerator. I was making a sandwich, and I cannot, I cannot resist the request from a dog. My little dog looks at me in the ways, Master Jeff, I know that you've got that lunch meat in your hand, and I know you're about to have a sandwich, and I know you're the boss, but you know what? One little piece off that lunch meat wouldn't hurt you at all. I would sure love it. And they look at you that way until finally you feel nasty and dirty and rude and mean if you don't take a little bit and just toss it. But here's what I've noticed. If my dog doesn't know what it is I've got, he'll let it hit the floor and he'll smell it before he eats it. If he knows what it is, he'll catch it in the air. He's got more sense than some believers. Because we need to learn to be selective what comes into our life and at least sniff it out and discern whether or not it's going to bind us up. I love dogs. Y'all know I love dogs. I learn a lot about my dogs, about God from my dogs. You know, God is just dog backward. Or let me just put it this way, dog is God backward. And I'm not going to chase that rabbit another moment. Listen, for the believer in Jesus Christ, you and me, totally committed followers of Christ, if it does bind, if it has the power to bind us up, a person who is totally committed to the Lord Jesus will walk away from what will hinder their freedom to follow the Lord. They will not take it. Because we know that we can only serve one God. We can only serve one master. We can't serve two. We're not wired that way. You're going to love one and hate the other, despise one and love the other. You can't, you can't receive two gods into your life. You're going to serve one. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. The Bible says Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand, Paul says. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. So that friend, so-called friend that comes up to you with a drug and says, hey, man, here, try this. It'll make you feel great. That's not your friend. And you need to sniff that out. You need to look at that and say, that binds. I cannot accept anything into my life that will bind me. And you declare them to not be your friend, and you walk away. No, you run away. Don't let anybody put a harness of slavery on you. You've been set free. Something might be lawful. It might be permissible. But if it's not best, then it's not for you. And if it is best, it will not bring you under its control. Amen? Now, let me look at some of the things that have the power to bind us. I'm going to deal with just one, really. Let's talk about habits for a minute. Now, all of us have habits. As a matter of fact, I told the first service, those of you in the first service are in the habit of coming here. You're here in the first service, and some of you are in such a habit, you got your own chair. Your name's not on it, but God help the person that sits in it before you do. I know you got your chair. As far as you're concerned, it's got your name on it. You're a creature of habit. And I told the first service, you're always here. 
because you're in the first service. Some of you are in the first service today who aren't normally here because the cowboys kick at noon. I just heard somebody say, do they? Now, don't get up and leave. But we're creatures of habit. We say, this, we, we, we say all the time, well, that's just a habit of mine. Or I'm, I'm a real creature of habit. That's so true of people. We are creatures of habit. Now, what's a habit? A habit is an action or a pattern of behavior that is repeated so often it becomes typical of somebody. Habits can become addictions. If it's a bad habit, it becomes an addiction. Now, did you know the word addiction is found in the New Testament one time? The word addiction. It's in the King James Version, and here's where it's found. Paul says, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. What a great addiction. These people had to have their fix every day. Their fix was, I've got to go minister to somebody. I've got to minister Jesus to somebody. Did you know that was in the Bible? They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now, I'm going to tell you, I told you last week, I don't drink. I don't, uh, I should, could say don't smoke or chew or run with the boys that do. But I don't drink. I don't have, I, I, I don't go there for several reasons I don't, or drugs or anything else that would bring me under its mastery. Because I know I'm called to serve him. And do you know how many people came up to me last week and said, boy, it blessed me to know that my pastor doesn't drink. Now, I will not let anything bring me under its control. If it's something that's going to control me, then it's not to the glory of God. We are to be addicted to Jesus. You know what I want? I want a church full of people that are addicted to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean addicted to the things of God. I mean just have to go out and minister to somebody because it's flowing in your veins. All it takes is one time for God to use you to lead somebody to Christ, to bring somebody into the things of God, to see somebody set free because you prayed for them, and it starts flowing in your veins. And guess what? It won't get you sent to prison. It won't cost you money. It's free, and it's good for you. It's a good addiction. It's a good addiction. Now, here's what the word addiction means in the original language. This is very interesting. Catch this now. It comes from a word meaning to arrange your life that you might serve something. That's what the King James translators, that's the Greek word that they translated into addiction. The Greek word means to arrange your life that you might serve something. Now, think with me for a minute. This is what an addict does. An addict, whatever the addiction is, your entire life, your time, your calendar, your resources are arranged to, or, to, to serve the addiction. The more the addiction grows, the stronger it gets, the more you bring your time and your resources and your talent into serving that addiction. You don't have it, it has you. Drugs, alcohol, smoking, pornography, so on. All of these things bring us eventually under their control. They eventually enslave us. And if you want to know whether or not you're enslaved, try to stop. And see how your flesh rebels and screams and kicks up a million justifications for you to continue in it. 
Well, after all, I'm your only addiction. There's not another one. And I've been here all your life. Now, 95% of you is free, so why don't you just make peace with me? Make peace with me. I'm not going to hurt you. Just leave me over here in the corner. Leave me over here this little part of your life. The rest of you can be free. And you know what we do sometimes? We make peace with a habit that it cannot be to the glory of God. Now, now imagine that I've got a pickpocket right here with me, a pickpocket. Here he is, Mr. Pickpocket. He hadn't shaved in three weeks. Uh, he's wearing a, a, a trench coat, and he's got on one of these shady-looking hats, and he's walking right next to me. And every day he reaches into my life and he steals my money. He steals my peace. He steals my joy. He steals my reputation. He shaves years off of my life. Every day, it's just a little bit. It's not a lot. It's gradual. It's over time. It, 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 it's, it's one step at a time, but daily he pickpockets me. And I say to him, it's okay if you stick around because the rest of me is free. And so when I come and see you, he's right here with me. Here's Mr. Pickpocket, my pickpocket right here. And while you're talking to me, he's stealing from me. And every time you talk to me, he has taken more. Now, if I said to you, I told somebody like that, they could walk around with me and be my constant companion, what would you think of me? You'd say, you're crazy. But that's exactly what a habit that is not to the glory of God does. Every day it reaches into your life and it steals it steals your money, it steals your peace, it steals your walk, it steals your reputation, it steals your destiny, it steals your potential, it robs you of what you could be in God. Boy, it's so quiet in here. I should have told you at the first, I'm going to meddle a little bit today. Now, I've had habits. I used to smoke, and I told the first service, I used to dip tobacco, too. I did. I was a dipper. When I got filled with the Spirit, I was dipping. I had a spittoon I carried with me everywhere I went. My mother wouldn't let me in the house, and you wouldn't let me in either. Dipping will affect your dating life, I'm going to tell you right now. If you can't find a fellow dipper, it's over. But you know, I found out when the Lord came into my life and I made Him Lord of my life, He waged war against every habit in my life that could not or would not ever be to the glory of God because we're called to glorify God. Come on, everybody. Am I talking to believers here today? Now, here's why I think this matters. God's will is for every Christian to be like Jesus. Listen to what the Bible says. Those who God foreknew, he also predestined to what? What did he predestine me to be? To be conformed to the likeness of his son. It's like a naked Christmas tree. It's like a Christmas tree with nothing on it, and you begin to hang bulbs on it and lights and and all the stuff you put on your Christmas tree every year, and you begin to bedeck it with beauty. What God does when you get saved, you're like that bare Christmas tree, and God takes the bulb of love and the light of joy and the tinsels of peace, and he, he bedecks that Christmas tree with the character of Jesus. You, re, you, you retain your own individuality, but you take on the character attributes of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what an addiction does. An addiction or a bad habit come into competition with God as to who is going to shape who and what you become. Now listen to this old saying, a thought becomes a word, words lead to actions. Repeated actions become a habit. Habits form your character, 
and character decides your destiny. Tell me what's controlling your life, and I can prophesy very accurately where you'll be five, ten years from now. Here's something you can count on. God never asks you or me ever to lay something down that is not doing us more harm than good. God's not a party pooper. He doesn't want to take the joy out of life. He doesn't want to ruin your fun in life. That's not what God's all about. If you'll think about it, any habit he's ever honed in on and said, that's got to go, any habit that he really convicted you about was doing you more harm than good, and that's the only reason he convicted you. He loves you too much to let the pickpocket stay next to you every day, robbing you when you could be free. The most common addictions, alcohol, here's a few, alcohol, tobacco, overeating, drugs, pornography, you name it. They are all, every one of them, corrupting, destructive influences. If I'm your dad and I see them, I want them out of your life, so why shouldn't God feel that way, being perfect? The only thing God wants to remove is those influences that destroy our life in the long run. Now, let me tell you why I pray about a message like this. Because here's what some of you are already thinking. Well, this is a typical Christian message. I'm hearing all the things that I can't do. And that's why I don't want to be a Christian, because Christianity is just a long list of things I cannot do. Can I destroy that thought today? Can I just annihilate that thought today? That's a lie. And it's too bad that Christianity is perceived this way. Christianity is not just a list of things you cannot do. Christianity is the power to lay down what you should, that you might follow what is best. Christianity empowers you to lay down the things that are destroying you so that you can pursue what is best, and the lost person cannot do that. Christianity is the power of God unto salvation, not just the ticket to heaven, but that you can lay down the things you should lay down so that you can pursue the will of God for your life. You know, one day it struck me that the Christian is free to do all kinds of things the lost person just wishes they could do. I can do things that the lost person only wishes they could do. You say, really, Pastor Jeff? Well, name a few. I'd be happy to. Let me tell you a few. The Christian is free to worship the true God in spirit and in truth. The lost person cannot do that. The Christian is free to fellowship with the living Lord every day. I am his and he is mine and his banner over me is love. The Christian is free to experience the peace, the strength, and the joy, and the love of the Holy Spirit poured out on their hearts. The Christian is free to have peace in the middle of a storm while the world falls apart and has a nervous breakdown. The Christian is free to know the guidance of God. The Christian is free to fulfill the destiny of God for their life, to feed on the Word of God, to experience the certainty of heaven and of eternal life, to experience true joy without having to take something snort something, shoot something, or drink something to get it.
Let me go on just a little bit more. The Christian is free to grow the fruit of the Spirit daily, becoming more like Jesus. The world can't do that. The Christian is free to become a child of God through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The Christian is free to experience victory over sin where the sinner has no choice. The Christian is free to know the blessing of not being moved by fear and panic in perilous times because we know who holds the future. These are things the Christian can do. And if you're not waking up with some joy about that, you need to pray what's wrong. Go ahead and say, Lord, what's wrong with me? I'm a believer and I'm waking up sad sack. I don't need to be this way. You need to jump up with a skip in your step and a gleam on your eye and joy in your heart and a smile on your face because guess what? You have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You are saved from hell, destined for heaven, all kinds of things to rejoice over. Well, that's not just that's just not me, Pastor Jeff. I am uh, I'm more reserved. Well, get unreserved a little bit. Get unreserved. Just get a little bit unreserved. Well, I'm 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 more sophisticated. Let some of that sophistication go. Come out of the closet. We don't need closet Christians. The time has come for us to shine like bright lights. Get out of the closet and shine and give the glory to God. See, we've been around mediocre, half-soaked, lukewarm Christianity so long, we don't know the real thing when we see it. We think it's extreme. Thank you. (laughs) So Christianity is not just about what you can't do. It's the power to lay down what you should that you might follow what is best. Now, the good news that I have for you today is this. I don't care if something has had you your whole life. Whatever the habit is, we've all got them. The devil worked on all of us when we were lost. He knows our weaknesses. He knows where he had us. He knows where we were bound. He knows where he planted the deepest landmines. He knows that. But I'm going to tell you what else uh, he knows. That if we catch hold of the truth, all that work that he did is doomed. Because the Lord died not just to get you to heaven but to set you free, sir, to set you free, ma'am. He died to set you free. And I'm talking about where you're not burdened down and shackled all the time. I'm talking about where you're not driven by things that you don't want driving you. I'm talking about where you're not always feeling condemned and like a hypocrite when you're in church because now you have genuinely been set free, free of gossip, free of slandering, free of fear, free of lust, free of habits that are destroying your body and destroying your future. Jesus came. Jesus said, loose him. Loose him. You think Lazarus coming out of there didn't want to praise the Lord, but he couldn't move. He was all bound up. I got raised from the dead, but I can't move. Jesus said, loose him. What do you think happened to his hands when those grave clothes came off of him? Do you think he said, well, hallelujah, I have been raised from the dead. No, he had a benefit. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, come on, church. 
The Bible says that the one who forgives or who loves the most was forgiven the most. I guarantee you Lazarus went skipping down that road. You think Mary Magdalene, when the demons came out of her, didn't praise God with all of her heart. All I'm saying is, you know if you're bound up. And I want you to know that he sets you free. Listen to this verse, and I'm going to close. We know that our old self was crucified with him, so the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Can you say it with me, no longer? Because anyone who has died has been, past tense, freed from sin. It doesn't mean you're never going to sin again. That's not what it means at all. It means it's not your master any longer. Can you stand with me today? You know, I preach like this because, well, the Word's not being preached much anymore. And I want you to know that'll never happen here. They'll have to carry me off to jail in shackles, and, and then I'll preach in there. But I'm always going to preach the Word. Always. I preach this way because people are all bound up. And I want you to know what Jesus did for you. I came out of the hippie culture. I was eight years old or so when the Beatles came on Ed Sullivan saying, I want to hold your hand and capture the imagination of a whole generation that tuned in, turned on, dropped out, and were destroyed. I would have been destroyed. I know it if I hadn't been saved. A few years ago, I buried my longtime best friend when we were 13 years old 14 years old we discovered pot together drugs together see then I got saved and when I got saved I told him about it and he was in my car and he mocked me and he lit up a joint and blew the smoke in my face and said you'll be back just like the devil you'll be back I asked him to get out of the car, and I said, no, Joe, I won't be back because I have tasted of the powers to come. I have tasted of the living waters, and once you do, everything else is eclipsed. He went one way, and I went the other way. 25 years later or so, I went and found him in a flea bag motel, ruined ruined try to get him free he's too deep in got the call one day after I took him to a halfway house that they found him gone in his bed I had to tell his daughter your dad's gone I've seen what the alcohol the drugs what and forget even that sin destroys you guaranteed and that's why you need somebody to set you free and so I'm so thankful today for the blood of the lamb can we just thank him I'm so thankful today for the blood of the lamb that he died to set me free 
Now, if you're today fighting a habit, I want to pray with you before we go, before we pray over our life leaders. I want to know. I'm not going to call you now, but if you can say, Pastor, I'm fighting a habit. I'm fighting something in my life that's out of control, and I need something stronger than me to set me free. I want to tell you today, your answer is in Jesus Christ. If you can say, Pastor, I'm battling something, and I'll let you pray for me right where I stand, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand, and I want to pray for you. People all over this sanctuary. Father, I just pray, and I want you to pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I give this to you. You loosed Lazarus. Loose me to serve you fully. In Jesus' name. Now say this with me. Say, today's the day, the beginning of the end for this habit. And it's the beginning of a new day for me. Amen. Give the Lord a hand, can you?